Well, how do I want to layer these windows? Hmm, I think I'll put this one. Yeah, I think I'll put this one here. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Oh, yeah, that's nice. I like that. I got my video over here, the audio, the participants list. T- everything's tiled into a block. <clears throat> so nice. Whatever, dude. You want to see? You want to see? I know you want to see. I'll show you. Now you're gonna mess. Don't do that. Don't do that. Look, look at that. You Isn't just that messed nice? up. You just messed up my screen, dude. I'm sorry. That I record on. It's totally really? messed up now. No way. Why would it mess it up that way? No, it's not. I'm just kidding you. Oh, you jerk. <laughs> <laughs> you're awesome, but in it, you're jealous, weren't you? Uh, wait, I gotta shut off. A little oh, bit jealous. Oh my gosh, I shut off. No, I'm not even jealous. I gotta shut off the um, show. Super jealous. You don't notice it also taking up other screens and stuff like that it as just well. Close so, your I mean, eyes. I, I'm a... <laughs> That's the best solution ever. Wait, taken, Rocco. <laughs> Look, I, you're a perfectionist, man. Just admit it. Sometimes. Yeah. I, I believe the appropriate term is control enthusiast. <laughs> <laughs> control enthusiast. I mean, oh, at yeah, least 15 minutes. We want to be, be nice. responsible here. Yeah. I mean, don't you five think? Five minutes. Oh, yeah. Hey, guys, we're recording in two minutes. Do you want to join us? I mean, come on. Because <laughs> <sighs> there's actually only two of us recording at the moment, Rocco. Yes, I know, Zeb. Well, I'm recording my audio in a set. He means recording a separate application, though. I I do, but Zeb, we are the only responsible ones here. (laughs) Oh, that is so ridiculous. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Do do not like your attitude today. I generally don't like your attitude, but today I especially don't like it. Okay, let's see what this is. It's like a Tekken, only instead of using your hands, you use, like, sports equipment. Yeah. Michael, you you look thrilled. Super super stupid. (laughs) So you want the key, then? I'm in. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) You guys make it too easy. Too Mm -hmm. easy. Welcome to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. Welcome to episode 59. I'm Rocco. And I'm Ryan. I'm Zed. And I'm Michael. And this is Destination Linux. Gentlemen, what's going on? Recording a podcast. Yeah. Just being ridiculous. You guys should have heard the before show ridiculousness that was going on. Maybe it'll be in the outtakes. Maybe it will be so ridiculous it won't make it in the outtakes. Michael and I had some great suggestions, and you threw them out the door. It's just rude. I agree. I mean, it's yeah. undeniable, really. Mm-hmm. Yep. You'll see. All right, so stick around. We're going to be covering Ubuntu news. We're going to be covering UB ports, Purism, KDE updates, and what we've been doing gaming-wise. So... Ryan, what have you been up to this week? Well, I have been beta testing ArchMerge, which if you join uh, with Eric's beta testing team, then you get some of these ISOs to test out ahead of time. And if you remember back to the interview, there was an issue I mentioned to him where in any Arch-based distro, when I would first install it, you would see none of the network drives, right? And yep. you'd have to go in and play with the Samba or manually enter in the IP it 
etc. So he messaged me and said, hey, you need to try out the new ISO. I think I fixed it. And sure enough, I installed Arch Merge and my Synology NAS and all of my systems were discoverable immediately. I mean, without touching a single thing. Awesome. Excellent. So his response back to me was, now I, talking about himself, can finally go get a Synology NAS. So he wanted to fix it first (laughs) before he went and bought one. So, But awesome work, Eric, for fixing that. Super cool and lots of new little fixes and bug tweaks and things in this new uh, release we're testing, and it's going to be awesome. So I can't wait till everybody gets their hands on it. Nice. What about you, Rocco? Well, I had a KDE Neon Snafu. Uh-oh. Another one, you mean? Yeah, another one. Remember I was on Phase 1 last week mm-hmm. where I was on the LTS? and <laughs> Yeah, like <a> Phase 1. <laughs> phase 1, yeah. And um, so long story short, I went and tried to boot up after an update, and I got a black screen. And that's all I got. I got oh wow nothing else. I couldn't go to a terminal. I couldn't do an alt F two. I couldn't do nothing. So was this like a point release upgrade? Uh, it was the point. Yeah, it was a point one upgrade. And I don't think it, it had new. anything to do with uh the plasma. I mean, it probably had something to do with the plasma updates, but I think it was conflicting with the Nvidia drivers because I would. Uh, actually boot into a, a live mount it from another drive and then in, uninstall the NVIDIA drivers and I would get further than I was getting when I would boot regular. So, um, I'm sorry, some- the recovery drive, that's what I was booting into. Yeah, there were some cute issues in the upgrade that uh, had some problems that they fixed uh, today. See, it's already fixed, Rocco. What's the yeah. problem? Okay, so that leads me to the fact that I am now on phase two. I'm just, Oh, you're running, on I3. I'm running oh. smooth. No, remember phase two was where I installed the user edition of KD Neon. So I couldn't oh. fix it. And none of you guys are around to help me. So, well, I'm, I'm actually go on that one. You didn't just go back to Mate. You stayed with KDE. It seems like, well, I tried, I tried to fix it. I spent most of the afternoon after I got from home from work trying to fix this and I couldn't. I figured, you know, all right, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to try to fix it. And it wasn't happening. So, so just so people know, Rocco, when he says he's fixing stuff, he's just a phase one user, just keeps hitting the reset button. That's it. That's all I do. <laughs> hoping and praying that it will boot up. Please boot up this time. No. Uh, so I'm on phase two. I installed the user edition. And, oh, my gosh, every single day that I've been on the user edition, I get an update. Every day. Whether it be plasma updates or kernel updates. But you don't have to update it if it's working, right? I mean, minus security updates. Okay, so right now on my screen I have like 120 updates in the little box up there. But I didn't want to update it before the podcast. 336. (laughs) Wow, that's crazy. Well, I have You have 336 pending, Michael. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you, you you don't update them regularly. You don't update it regularly either. You basically get to a point where it's working and then you stop updating minus security fixes. I update regularly, just I don't update every single time. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter. It's not, so it's Rocco, not. that's a bad habit I've been in in distro, specifically with Arch, where I every time I see an update, I'm like, ooh, I'm doing it. And I, I decided this time, because I'm back off of Mint and I'm in Arch, that I'm not going to do that. So I see this little icon over here and it has updates and it's driving me nuts. I'm going to click nuts. it. But I'm, I'm not going to do it this time. Discover <laughs> is sitting in the system tray with updates, and it's just calling yeah. me to update. Every once wow. in a while, it'll flash a red little icon on top of and it. And it's even 
it's messing up your theming too because that little thing's off right update. there and i know that's driving you nuts update me Rocco. it's driving me insane Rocco's but... tossing and turning sweating in bed like i just want to click it my, and... my way of doing arches to it is when when arch you, you do you have an update have you updated today no then yes you have an update so <laughs> exactly you true. don't need a notification just turn turn that off and then, you know, turn it back, you know, just manually do an update whenever you want to. Yeah. And you That's can't right. even update it after the show because it might, might muck up your recording. Exactly. I have to actually edit the podcast, so I'm going to have to wait a couple of days to actually update. Just don't update. You don't have to except for security <laughs> fixes. Uh, no, it's going to drive me insane. I'm going to have to. <laughs> <laughs> But I got a new mouse too. So moving on, Zeb, what have you been up to? <laughs> well, last week I reported I was a, a one-man distro. How'd that I'm go happy, for you, Zeb? I'm happy to report that I lasted longer than Rocco's New Year's resolution. Oh, but I've now gone back to a multi-distro setup. I tried doing some stuff in um, GNOME boxes and in virtual boxes, and it's just woeful. So I'm now running Deepin, and very nice it is too. I've restored MX17 and Arch Merge, and I've got two more partitioners to play with, but I don't know what quite what. You get the two best distros there, MX and Arch Merge. You don't really need anything else. No, and I put that Windows thing back on as well. So we're on the we're on the insider track, uber fast stuff. So I know it's going to blow up, and next week I'll be back to a one. Man, distro because Windows. You'd be back to peppermint. (laughs) So, so that was my week. Uh, My hepatitis raised, and I just had to reinstall stuff. Call the hotline, Zeb. Call the hotline. (laughs) I will. There's no point in calling Michael because he doesn't hop anywhere. So, what have you been up to? I've been actually uh, not hopping, but I have been working with the Kubuntu team to fix some Plasma defaults that I don't like. Uh, I'm. As for, I'm a huge fan of Plasma, as people have probably guessed. No. Um, I, I hide it very well. You're right. Yeah. Uh, man. The, <laughs> the, the other part is that there are things that, by default, Plasma doesn't do very well. And I've been trying for a, a significant amount of time to get that changed. But more, uh, I've, I haven't really been like trying to jump into a distro and trying to specifically help and talk to developers until now and so far kubuntu has been very receptive to my ideas and have already changed nice. a few things and are currently deciding whether or not to do these other ones and i still have like three or four more things to send them that they seem to be very receptive to so that's awesome yeah i've also been trying out some new music players because there's not enough of those and we need to have exactly um <laughs> But I tried. I decided to try one that I haven't actually tried ever, even though it's been around for years. And it's called Juke, J U K, and it's uh, just a KDE player. Uh, Rocco it, wanted me to ask you how Thunder Roll sounds on it. Wow, it sounds beautiful. It sounds beautiful, <laughs> except for the fact that it's country. But other than that, um, what do you got against country music, dude? <laughs> oh, it's it's not it's not anything specific other than the fact that it's country. Oh, okay, yeah, right. um, <laughs> continue the whole on. genre. Continue on. <laughs> exactly. Um, and also I've been working on, uh, production stuff for, for my channel, but mainly it was like making sets so I can do record videos. So in this one office, I have six sets built. Wow. Yeah. And I can just, and it's, it's modular so I can move the sets and like re- recreate them whenever I need to without having to like do too much work. 
So is this for like unboxing stuff or is it, what is it for? What's it? All kinds of, yeah. Unboxings included. Um, he could do costume changes during his live show. Mm-hmm. The, you know, you've seen those, those videos of those fast costume changes where they put a little sheet up and then it's not really good at that. But mainly it's like, um, I accidentally figured out I could do this because my desk is like one of those stand up, sit down desks. And I can move it out of the way so that I can have like a plain background or the walls and I can loop, move it up. So it becomes part of the, sh- of the show or the, you know, the, the set and it, like just a configuration thing. So modularity is awesome. There you go. Nice. All right. So let's get on to some real stuff besides what we've been doing. So well, listen, this, this part, I'm just going to leave. Yeah. I'm, no, I'm so upset. I'm Brian, leaving. there's actually a email for you. That's why I'm leaving. Yeah, okay. So you're not leaving because Andy would really like to talk to you. Oh yeah, what's Andy got to What's Andy got to say? <laughs> okay, Bring so it, Andy. He says, "I know Ryan is a huge Mac fanboy and all about Apple's design ideas." Are you kidding me? <laughs> he thought he'd pass this that along. That is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know why anybody would say that. <clears throat> so he says um, he switched to Linux a few years ago after getting fed up with Microsoft and Apple. And nice. And learning more and more about mm-hmm. himself as well as the computer. I think it takes a lot of patience. <laughs> Fill your brains, man. Uh, Linux Mint was his first and current distro. So nice. he likes Clem's hard work and sensible philosophy on updates. Now that's, um, that is subjective to user opinion, but he is definitely a fan. Don't of listen to them. There's a lot of mint haters out there from old school stuff. <laughs> Their update system's fine, Andy, even though I shouldn't be defending you. No, it's awful. It's fine. Okay. So he prepares and presents 52 plus presentations every year, uh, with LibreOffice. And That's awesome, man. He uses GIMP and Inkscape, and he just wanted to let you know and about this article for Apple employees keep walking into their new HQ's glass walls. <laughs> well, he, he basically says that, hey, you like Apple design so much. How about this? I like the way Apple designs laptops. Uh, but that has changed, obviously, since Steve Jobs left and we have Donglegate. So they're Thank not you. as great anymore. The unibody was beautiful, but it's been out for a long time at this point, and people have replicated it and done it better, frankly, than Apple. And uh, so I'm not as much of a fanboy of their stuff as you might think, Andy, uh, but I only use an Apple phone. And as somebody who's been in telecom for 18 years, I can tell you that that's because I understand behind the industry what Android, say, would allow a telecom company or someone to do to that device or things to put on it versus what Apple would allow to actually happen, which they're much, much more in control because they're in a walled garden, obviously. So to me, it is much more safe to be on an Apple product based on what I know than it is to be on an Android. But I have both technically. So, But as far as my main daily driver, I use an Apple iPhone. So there you go. So, I do like Apple products. But there was a little message at the bottom of the email. What does it say? And it says, uh, sent from my iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> Andy. Busted, Andy. Busted. You sent an email from an iPhone to rise me about an iPhone. How uh-huh. dare you, sir? Uh-huh. How dare so you? either that was his way of a joke or it was actually sent from his iPhone. That's awesome. Well, Andy, thank you for sending the email in and for the compliments on the podcast. 
and the funny article about Apple employees walking into their new headquarters glass walls, because that is hilarious. And if you were sitting there watching it as an observer, that really would be funny. <laughs> Every once in a while, you see an engineer. Just get some popcorn. That's right. Exactly. All right. So next up, Ubuntu. They're going to do something for individuals who need to save half a gigabyte of space, Rocco. So you ever wanted to save half a gigabyte on your ISO installer? You know, like before when I was running out of space in my root partition, I might have been able to use that 500 megabytes of space. But Well, there's probably more to it. But essentially, they are creating a minimal installation option here. And they're going to basically strip away 80-plus packages that would normally be installed with Ubuntu. It takes about 500 gigabytes or 500 uh, megabytes out of the install ISO, so it goes from 4 to 3.5. So they're basically saying it's kind of a new feature out there that they're going to add for people who want that minimal installation, and you can add your own tools on top instead of some of the pre-installed ones they have. So they're kind of going for the KDE Neon thing? Sort of. So it's actually something I'm, I'm glad they're finally doing. And what's really good is that they're making it so that um, they're they're including it inside of Ubiquity. So it's a subsection of Ubiquity so that like all the distros that are all the flavors that use Ubiquity can take this. But it's also not exclusive to Ubiquity. So it's it's just a, it's a back end like exception list sort of thing that allows any of the any of the installers, any of the flavors to use it. Even if they change the installer and not use Ubiquity, they could still uh, take advantage of this minimalism approach. And I, I think that's fantastic because there's a lot of people who would like to install the system and not have a bunch of applications set up for them because they want to use the, their applications they already they want instead of the ones that are by default. It's great to have a default option because a lot of people who are brand new don't know what the applications are called or what the options mm-hmm. even are. But those who do, I like myself, I would definitely like a minimal version. Or those of us who write scripts so that when you go into a new install, you run the script, it goes and installs everything yeah, for you. Now you don't have to write all the code to strip all the things you don't want out into that script as well. It's just much right. easier to do a new install. I agree. That's phase three. But aren't they reinventing the wheel? <laughs> Surely they've had the Ubuntu mini ISO. No, the, the mini ISO is the the, the naming thing that they used is is bad because <laughs> they're the same word that mean two different things uh minimal iso is what is what this is the other minimal iso is wow. a text-based installer <laughs> that just does the same thing it just does it with like it doesn't require all all of the like the basic core of it, it just it, it installs just the core system and nothing else but it also doesn't do any kind of customizations or anything like that. Whereas this one is just remove packages that you don't need, like just the applications themselves rather than having to worry about like, you know, installing a DE in, in, in this case. Cause like the, the very super minimal one when it said like, it's like 35 megabytes or something. It's all it does is just add the Ubuntu core and nothing else. That's it. But does it really upset people that much that they've got 80 applications that they will never use? Or even if you're in an office environment, for instance, and you're they're using these computers, they don't want their employees to have necessarily all of this stuff on there. Uh, it's a space-saving issue as well uh, for them. So I think it's a really cool idea. And, you know, it made me think about how many times when you buy a computer like or somebody gives you a computer and it has Windows on it and you 
you restore it to factory settings, for instance, and HP or Dell, and they've got like 9,000 programs pre-installed on it, and it takes you an hour to get rid of them. So this is kind of like, obviously it's not that as invasive as it is in Linux, but it's kind of nice to be able to just go install there, and then I can just run a script to go install everything I want because I don't use all of these programs that they have here. So I I don't even need them to see them. I don't think it's an upsetting thing. Yeah, I think it's just a convenience thing. So this cool. is going to appear on the screen where you check the box for codecs. And I, to me, I, that's what draws me to something like KDE Neon, where I have a minimal install. So Zeb, you had said, hey, you know, does it really bother people that there's a lot of apps installed? But if I don't use it, why do I want it on my computer kind of thing? That's how I feel about it. So I, I would actually use this. That would definitely yeah, would intrigue me. One of the reasons I use Neon is specifically so that because it's minimal. Yeah. And I talked to the Kubuntu team, and they have said that they, if it, you know, provides them a way to do it and a way they they think it works well, they will consider doing it too. So. Nice. So last week we talked about the data collection and the whole opt in, opt out thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Then came this week, and there's an article on OMG Ubuntu about the fact that upgraders who are upgrading to the newest version will actually have to opt in instead of opt out for data collection. So if you install it brand new, you'll have to opt out. If you upgrade, you'll have to opt in. Mm-hmm. So the, it's obviously, I think, a good thing that when you're upgrading, you're going to have that opportunity to just opt in. It's not going to force you while you're doing an upgrade to auto check that box. That would be quite obnoxious um, because obviously it wouldn't give you as much opportunities if you're doing a fresh install, but I, I can hear it now. People are going to be frustrated with the idea and say, why not do this opt in option from the beginning? Hmm. Michael, it's not effective. It's not as effective for the data collection. Like what the entire point is that this is for new installs An upgrade is not a new install. So it's not that relevant. They can choose to enjoy the, the benefits of helping the rest of the community or they could not. It's up to them. The reason why it's good is because it, it benefits everyone. Like the, the fact that the data is public the, and the, the data is useful. It's there should, there shouldn't be any reason why people are bothered by it. And the only reason people are bothered or have legitimate reason to be bothered is the opt in versus opt out. But if you look at the aspect that opt in is more effective and more efficient and better for the data collection itself, that should be a reason why it shouldn't matter to people. So says Google. Well, no, because you can't (laughs) turn that off. (laughs) It's the fact that they give you the option makes it completely different. (laughs) Yes, but it still should be, in my opinion, it still should be an opt in rather than an opt out. You shouldn't, well, it shouldn't okay. be turned on by default and I have to opt out. I think out. it should. I There's, think it should because that's a, that's a data metric by itself. But you could make this, we talked about it last week and I don't want to go over the whole thing again, but you could make right. the installer have a screen that you have to make a choice, but nothing's yeah. set by default. No, but you those, also can be scaring people by, oh, the, you're going to track me. No. But it's not really that big of a deal, and it's not that because it's it, the the things that they're tracking is not horrible. But most because Linux they, users, they're, they're told most Linux users who have a problem with this will just opt out, and it's not a big deal. And a lot of people who are bothered by this don't use Ubuntu anyway. So yeah, they're, they're just, I think they're just 
causing confusion by having one opt-in and one opt-out. They're going to end up being called the Okie Ubuntu. Well, no, it's because it's a, it's a new install versus not a new install, and that's why they're doing it that way. And I, I think that's the best way to do it because the new install is new users or at least new information, whereas the old, old install, like the other install that upgrade, you've already made the decision to use that one. So it would be in, in, to, you, to introduce you to a new thing, they'd have to have you install it again because this is only in Ubiquity, not in the update manager. And you would be using the update manager or app to upgrade your system. So it just it makes more sense, like technically, to not bother doing it with the, the update system because you have to rebuild that whole thing rather than just a checkbox in the ubiquity. So does that change your mind, Rocco? Does that no. make you feel like no. you want it now? Absolutely. Have you ever no. heard the saying, "You in order to know where you're going, you have to know where you've been." But you can get there without doing it this way. Is what I'm what I keep trying to say. I don't I don't know if it gets across, but you can do you can accomplish what you want to accomplish. You can get the numbers that you want to get. Without doing it this way. Like I said, you can make an option in the installer that somebody could choose which one they want to do. And it's not about scaring people. If, if they're going to be scared about that screen, then those are, those are people that I'm more worried about that they have no idea then that you're going to be collecting their information. If they're so, if they're so inept to be scared about a, a, choice in a login in a installer screen about whether I should send my data or not send my data, then then by making them or having it be default opt out, you're you're just basically playing on those types of people. And it shouldn't be that way. It should be an opt out by default or an opt in by default or a no choice. The more data you have, the more effective it is. It has nothing to do with the data, Michael. That's what I keep saying to you. It has nothing to do with the data. It has to do with how with you're going about go- getting that data. If you have it an opt-in, you would definitely get the data that you're going to get having it an opt-out. You're going to get the data if you give them that option. Okay, but here, here's just a se- separate thing but sort of re- re- relevant. What if someone uses uh, analytics on, our web- on their website? They don't ask you whether you're okay with that. No, not, not even this Google. This is not my operating system, though. This is a web page out on the internet where it's open. Visit once in a while. That 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 if I want to go there, I want to go there. If I don't want to go there, I'm not going to go there. But this is my computer operating system now. Right. If that, it didn't ask you, I would agree completely. If it wasn't just simple uncheck a box, I would agree completely. So I think it's going to matter what the screen looks like. And Clifford. It, mentioned in here just use the lone screen with it already checked and draw attention to it and i think this is the key this is the key point when you see this screen if it is obvious that you can opt out and it's not and i don't think it will be hidden behind some terms and conditions or some small little box that you're not going to see and they draw attention to it and give you the option and it's pre-checked i'm personally fine with it i want to give them the data anyway so i don't care but even from a privacy standpoint and new users coming in, coming to Linux because it's more private, you don't want them to get the impression or get some misunderstanding that Linux is doing the same thing to them that Microsoft was. So with that being said, making sure you draw attention to it and the ability to opt out very easily, I think is very important. So how it's implemented, I think is going to be very, very important. Yeah, but even on that lone screen, you're now going to have two empty boxes and one ticked. Whereas three empty boxes and you pick what you want. Well, yeah, but 
it, uh, even the, the metric of someone the checking download it. updates and add add all the extra codex. I think that's where they're t- talking about putting it. Yeah. Yes, but okay. Let's say, for example, it was already unchecked, and then someone didn't check it. Did they have a problem with it, or did they like actually a problem where they did not read it? They didn't care. They just skipped it. No yeah, idea. That's no idea. that's why you make it a screen that has to have a checkbox before the next lights up. Yeah. It doesn't come with a checkbox, or it doesn't come with a uh, an opt in or an opt out. It's an either or. You have you have to pick something. You have to pick something. So you'll get the information you want, but you won't turn people off by making it. Oh, I got to uncheck boxes because now you're going to say now as a user, I'm going to say where are there other checkboxes that I got to uncheck. I'm offended that you made me agree with you. <laughs> there you go, Rocco. You wow. win. It's not Finally, about winning. I just no, it is about. No, I'm <laughs> it's it's not about winning. It's not about the information. I agree. I'm per, I personally am okay with sending that data because it's. I realize it's nothing, and I realize that it's important that they need it. Okay, because it's nothing. I'm willing to send that to them, but I still think yeah. that it should be an opt in rather than, or a. A decision. Every argument so far that has ever been given that I've heard has always been like, oh, this is spyware, you're taking my data, blah, 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 just hysterical hyperbole nonsense. Yeah. The argument you just gave about the give, make them have just a single option and they can choose either way and you still get the metric uh, if they choose not to, that's fair. Like I have no, I have no like counterpoint to that one. That That's perfectly fine with me. So maybe we need to have them on to tell us about it. How they're going to implement it. I would love to have them on. Maybe they'll yeah. be on. I'll, I'll work on my connections. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Plasma and Solus together. What do you, you ever use this combination, Rocco? Hmm. Well, you know what? I downloaded that ISO and still have not had time to, because I've been messing around with KD and Neon, but I still have not, <laughs> not had time to mess around with the uh, Plasma KDE version of it. I downloaded it as well and also haven't used it. <laughs> so well, we got some great info on this one. <laughs> well, yeah. when when you do get to use it, you're going to see that there is uh, a lot of love being put into it from Peter on the Solus team in there. There's uh, some fixes and enhancements that they've put in. There's one specific, you know, fix that I think I've seen a lot of people talk about issues with Optimus and things like that. So they've done some. SDDM integration with Optimus, which they fixed that. So if you're using one of those uh, systems or need that, then you've got that uh, integration in there fixed. And then Rocco, you this know, is one that we really wanted to get you into. Yeah, you know what excites me. Yeah, there's only one item in here that Rocco <laughs> kinda, really lit up about. I kind of skipped everything else and then went down to the brief icons. <laughs> <laughs> Beaming. So uh, they added... An emblem shared color icon and uh, missing crusader icons as well. But any improvements to the breeze icon set is awesome because it's already a great icon set. Actually, mm-hmm. when I installed KD Neon and I did something, it was either on um, uh, one of the videos or something. One of the comments was, why are you not using the papyrus icon set? And I normally do use the papyrus icon set, but I just had it on breeze and it's so nice that I didn't. It was. It wasn't something I said. Oh my gosh, I got to change. That's the same for me. I I have it. I still have Breeze after two years of using the same install, and it's like I don't. It doesn't. It's not 
annoying or anything. It's it's actually a nice icon set and doesn't bother me enough to change it. So it's like I don't really care. Yep. I can't believe somebody was brazen enough to give you theming advice, Rocco. <laughs> I mean, you should just know something's wrong if the theme's not perfect with the Two OS. Two years you know? and you've not changed it. Yeah. That's not normal. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I'm like, Ooh. Well, it was funny because every, every time I started uh, joining this, the, the conversations in here and in Biddle, uh, Big Daddy Linux Live, I uh, everybody was talking about how they distro hop, and I was like, I, I don't do that. I just, I didn't think about it. It's just, I've had it for multiple years. And before that I had plasma for multiple years. I just never, I don't know, never seen the, unless something catastrophic, catastrophically broke, I didn't bother. And then now everybody's making, uh, it's, a, it's contagious. Yeah. Because I already have like six different installs now. You so. will hop. <laughs> All right. Resistance is futile. So <laughs> along with the plasma updates for Solus, Solus 4 is going to be coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't know of an actual release date. Michael, do no. you know any have any information on the release date? I have information, and I don't have a date. Uh, it's in a few weeks or so. Okay, like they, they said that it's um somewhat soon, but not super soon. Like it's very vague, very vague. All right, so Ryan, well, is that Michael time then. Very yeah, it's, it's, they, they said it, they they told me an exact <laughs> on a Michael time your time frame, and I was like, okay, an extra, like a month or two. Okay, got it. Uh, so Ryan, they've uh, decided to defer the SnapD integration into Solus. What do you think? Yeah, I mean that this was so that they could get it out to people, and uh, the SnapD integration being into the software center itself. So. You know, Ike has done some work that has been included kind of in the base architecture that's going to be there, but not necessarily live at that point. So they're basically setting things up for the next version of Solus After 4, but they're wanting to make sure to get Solus 4 and some of the enhancements that it includes already out there to the users and not continue to delay it to get SnapD uh, working you know, they also said it might not be requ- like they might have another update for Software Center and not wait to the next version of Solus, so you can still get. There you go. Like, it's just like instead of making Solus four wait entirely. Oh, so it would be a, a like a in your update manager that you might get Snap integration late at a later point after Solus four releases. Yeah, they said they haven't they haven't confirmed that, but they said that is possible. Nice that that is part of that is one of the opportunity one of the things they're considering to do. Yes. But you're getting a lot of stuff in here, Rocco, uh, as far as fixes go and updates, including 25 packages themselves being updated from Plex Media to uh, all kinds of different stuff in well, there. Well, I know that there's one in here that's going to intrigue you because I know you're a big GNOME fan. Oh, huge. And enabling an experimental Wayland session for GNOME. So, Oh, Thank goodness. I knew you couldn't wait for that. Well, yeah, I love both of those things. Wayland because I can't use it because I have NVIDIA and GNOME because I don't game or do computer stuff on an iPad like interface. (laughs) I thought you were the Mac fanboy. Oh, my gosh. He'd be using I elementary. Thought, thought Wayland was experimental anyway, so this is going to be an experimental, experimental Wayland. <laughs> now, Wayland's not experimental. And Everybody keeps moving for it. I mean, it's kind of enticing, but they keep pushing it and pushing it. But there's still no solution to the NVIDIA problem. Yeah. The non-proprietary drivers are getting better support within Wayland for NVIDIA. But uh, yeah, the, the, I, Wayland, to me, is a are, no-go until they fix that issue. 
the Nuvo drivers are, are a lot better than they you have been in the past, and um, Nvidia has somewhat acted like they care, like sort of. Maybe they're 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 offering a different project instead of EGL streams, so it's possible that they might per, at least pretend to care. Who knows? I don't know. But yeah. what's really cool about the Solus uh, updates is that the that this will be the first version we have the full implementation of the Lin- the Linux driver management tool that Solus made. And for those not aware of that, that is like a, a an infrastructure thing that 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 Solus is is kind of at this point known for making, where they'll build something and other people can use it if they want. And this is a driver management tool, so it will automatically detect the hardware you want the, and, and install the drivers for you, so you don't have to go through the like an installation wizard process or anything like that. And it works for like graphics cards, printers, uh, r- random peripherals, and stuff like that. It just gets the drivers you need. And I believe nice. the intention for that is to integrate it into the software center. Yes. So, Pretty al- awesome. Along with the updates, along with the software center, you'll have the uh, next driver management, which will be nice. Very cool. Mm-hmm. I, I love those driver management solutions. And it's not because it's that hard for me to go in and add everything in myself now at this point. It just takes so much longer than clicking like additional drivers, checking a box and clicking restart like you yeah. can do in other uh, distro. So having that to me is just a huge win. And I think it's a huge win for new users because when I first came into Linux and went to certain distros that didn't have that option and I didn't know what I was doing, if I wasn't sticking with it and had a lot of people behind me, I'd probably be like, why not just go to Windows where you get the driver? Why do I got to enter in 900 terminal commands to get an NVIDIA card operational? And I'm exaggerating a little bit, but as a new user, that's kind of how you see it. All that yep. stuff looks Greek. And so I, I love that from so many levels that they're adding that in there. I agree. Because even though I can, I don't want to. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Well, you haven't done an install on KDE Neon because you've been on it for two years, but KDE That's Neon true. does not offer uh, a driver manager. So no. you have to basically go do it I, I remember actually the first version of Neon, because I, I installed Neon when it was beta. And uh, that was my mistake. Well, not really because it's fine. But the NVIDIA drivers in it was it was painful. I hope it's not as painful as it is not, then, but it was bad. Well, what I did was I installed the uh, Ubuntu software properties there, and it's okay, it's, the... that's much better. <laughs> it, it, was, that. <laughs> it was it was bad. I had to deal with like the monitors not working. So yeah, it sounds it sounds like it's in. So that's good. Well, look, Rocco, Plasma Five is perfect. Right, I agree. Right, we it's know absolutely. That. Well, we're, we're one... waiting to come for you to come around to that. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so, so there's an individual who I guess is uh, he he writes a blog, Adventures in Linux and KDE, and I'm gonna slaughter the name here, but um, essentially they've come up with a list of issues with Plasma, saying that uh, it's whoa, whoa, not. Whoa, whoa. You didn't swat slaughter the name. Go ahead. <laughs> you want me to slow he wants you to slow the name. <laughs> uh, the the name is Igor Zubanik of Dido Imido. <laughs> there you go. There That's you what go. I said. <laughs> Slaughtered everything. Um, but anyway, they wrote up an article. The road to perfection is paved with bl- bugs, and he went through a list of forty two items that he says makes basically Plasma Five not perfect. But he's a fan of Plasma. He wants these issues to be fixed, and if they could just fix them, 
then we would be have a perfect iteration of Plasma 5. So, Michael, what do you think? The 42 items, widget button placement, wireless icon issues, KDE Connect only working with Android. I mean, these seem like legitimate problems. Not really. <laughs> I don't think most, some of these are not even problems, I think, at all. Like the button place, the widget button placement, like which widget? I mean, which button? Like you could, you, you could say that about uh, pretty much everything because, you know, a lot of widgets in different systems aren't that, um, ideal when you first activate them and stuff like that. But like the, what's the KDE connect thing is, well, it's, it's still pretty new. I mean, it's only been around for about two years or so now. And they already said, and KDE connect teams said they're already working on an iPhone version as well. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. And they have, yeah. and they have been in talks with the UB ports team to see if they can do one for that for Ubuntu touch, but they haven't, that's not really been, you know, confirmed or anything. They're just that that's on the table. Sort of. Well, here's the kicker, Michael. Here's the kicker. First, blog posts really not a great way to talk about all the issues you have with something, right? Because it's you're yeah, not really submit a bug just, report. Talk to them. Submit a bug report. You know, maybe talk with them directly. But he he submitted uh, these issues on his blog, and then KDE developer Nathaniel Graham came back and said, uh, "Hey, almost every single one of these we already have." a bug reported for and or in the process of fixing. So yep. there you go. I talked I talked to um I talked to Nathan after probably like after this happened, there was a conversation in the KDE team and then I, I looked at it and he had like posted the response within like four or five hours. Like, <laughs> here's all this here's like this is why it's not a problem. <laughs> so if you're gonna write a blog post like that, you should probably do your homework a little more. But he did give a nod to the development team and, and uh, mentioned it's not meant to replace filing bugs officially, but those are his issues out there. And we've all mentioned we've had issues with uh, distros, you know, some of the... If, it, if it's not to replace the filing bugs initially, officially, he would have already seen that they were officially already filed. Anyway. All right, Michael, quit making good points. <laughs> Ban. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to cover some more KDE news because this week in Discover and Kirigami Part 6. So there is some updates to Discover, Michael, that are coming in 5.13, yeah. most of them. Um, no more huge coffee cup header. Are you disappointed? Oh, yeah, yes. Uh, I'm sad. I Darn it. The I, I, I always liked it because it's, well, yeah, remind me to install Latte Dot. Great. But there's no point in you and Rocco getting excited because you're not doing updates at the moment. Yeah, well, true. at least for a couple of days anyway. Yeah, for for a little while. <laughs> Rocco has the update screen on in the corner and he just keeps staring at it. So what do you think this means? It says less mobile-like appearance overall. Uh, they had a... They've had a, a, a long track record of people being very, um, let's say, critical about the Discover interface being mobile first and kind of mobile only. So if you shrink the interface down and you look at the mobile version, it's great. It, it would look so good on Plasma Mobile. It would work so well because the slide-out features for the navigation is all nice. When you stretch it out, it's exactly the same. It's just bigger. It's like, that's not how anyone would use their, like before the, like the older versions, like the 510, 511 versions of Discover, you would have like 
gigantic boxes for each individual app. So you have a full screen and I have a big screen, full screen. And there's like five, maybe six visible apps. That's, that's kind of excessive of like wasted space. So this version, removing the headers saves more space. More things can show. They compacted like the 512. They compacted the amount of stuff that's being shown on each, each item. That's good. There are still more things that they can do. And I hope that they do like make it. So I, I like responsive design. I want them to continue to do responsive design. It's just responsive means more than just make the same thing look bigger. It, it also means adjust the content so that it displays properly on the device you are using it. So once that is fully implemented, Discover's like interface will be fantastic. Well, I like what Nathan Graham here said because it, it's kind of funny because we've given some heat to Discover in the past. But he said, mark my words, Discover is going to become one of the most loved Linux software centers. You heard it here first. What do you think, Rocco? Is going to be the most love software center ever? Well, I mean, I would normally let this up to you because you're the critique of software centers everywhere. Uh, <sighs> but I, Discover has a lot of promise. It just has some issues. Okay, I so. really think it could be the best software center ever. So I, I like I like his words and I like the fact that he's putting that out there. I like the improvements that they're making, the improvements we've seen even a week after we had them on for an interview. I, I think that Discover very well could become the best. But right now, at this moment, the best one I've used, frankly, is Mint. The new Mint? Well, how do you mm-hmm. judge that, though? Just by overall appearance, functionality, being able to install things without it crashing or having bugs or problems or even holdups, letting me know what's going on while I'm installing programs behind the scenes, meaning giving me some type of measurement. It's just the overall, I try to think when I go into a distribution still a year ago when I first started with Linux, which is if I'm brand new and I recommend this to somebody and they've just come from Windows, are they going to say this is good or are they going to get confused and and not know what to do next. And I feel like Mint just, their software center just flows. It's very simple. Searches work well. The results make sense. It's one of the, and this isn't saying much, but it's one of the best ones out there. I, I would, I would say that the, it's, it's a pretty good one. I, I still, I actually think that Solus's software center is probably the best one. It's it, just it's, very limiting in what's there. That's just the applications themselves. That's not the software center, like, experience or the interface like i think it looks good i think it works good the searching is fine the queue system is awesome like so you can say i want to install all these but you know don't install right now i'm still working on what i want and then it just goes through a list that's great i mean there's so many things about it that i like it the Um, problem i've got with a solus one though is you you can't see whether or not you've got it installed until you've looked at the the application you have to you know click on apps then click on known boxes and then go into known boxes for you to see installed it should tell you on the front screen whether on that first screen whether you've installed it or not That's the biggest I, I, I didn't notice that i um i i i think they do it they show you in the queue if you go into the queue it shows it's installed but that maybe it's just only there yeah yeah but for ryan that was that's still off, a good tip to, for ryan to finish off his reviews of software centers you need to take a look at the deep in one it's beautiful i have yeah it oh, is have. yep it's mm. absolutely gorgeous i think i think it's, really i think nice. the deep in one is beautiful and a little clunky though, like, mm-hmm. like the experience is is a little off. But overall, it looks great. 
just make, we just just combine them all together into one software center. <laughs> to rule them all. Yes. <laughs> this this is, will happen this tomorrow. This is the Linux world, dude. <laughs> yeah. We don't do that. So that. Yeah, that is so likely. <laughs> Let's leave that up to the experts of Ryan's favorite desktop because wow. GNOME 3.28 beta. Uh, you must have mispronounced i3. Yeah. <laughs> With many improvements. <laughs> Now the list is is quite long, um, but as a as a generic user, I'm trying to look down those lists, and I'm actually trying to think. Well, what of those do I find exciting? You know, what what, what am I saying? Yes, great. Nautilus has got support for closing tabs by middle clicking. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but by the time I've tried to work out which finger I'm going to use to click on the mouse. <laughs> I've scrolled off the flipping screen anyway. <laughs> Someone doesn't use i3. Uh, to be fair, I do middle clicking on all kinds of stuff. With a, with a better list. Um, well, the middle clicking close thing is actually like a normal thing. Like, because Firefox, you can close tabs that way. Dolphin, for example, you can close tabs that way. Yeah, it's so awkward to middle click. Once you get used to it, it's nice, especially in a browser. You can, if you, if you click a link, in a regular link, that's the regular left click, it just opens that link. If you click it, middle click that that link, it opens a new tab of that link. It is guess what Zeb's going to be practicing after yep. the show. He's going to be <laughs> he's going to be wearing that middle button out. So if I do it on the show, I, my my video goes off. Sorry, but it's <laughs> oh, you must be in GNOME if you're doing it on the show and the video goes off. <laughs> uh, did you try to pull up the applications menu or something? So, another one that caught but my eye. Sorry, a bad pun there. I have GNOME dropping auto tools in favor of messing. Yep. So that's What's that's that? a, a Messen is a building uh, compiling suite sort of library thing. So <laughs> they don't really have it. The, the, the so are we going to gain features out of this or lose features? Oh wait, it's uh, GNOME. Never mind. It, it's not. Yeah, stop it. <laughs> you got to stop. <laughs> it's basically just, it's just faster building. Really? Uh, it'll probably faster, be incredible. As far as users go, this is irrelevant. So yeah. what, faster building in Mindscape? Or whatever that... Uh, yeah, sure. Or, it's or it's basically just, it just, it just compiles better. It's got better debugging, so maybe they'll mm-hmm. fix things. You know what? We should stop talking. The, the GNOME fan is right there. What What do you That's think I, of this list, Rocco? I told you. I mean, like, you guys got to stop. Look, it, all of these list here. Zeb, you're right. A lot of this is back-end stuff. A lot of this is not really big highlights. But Mm -hmm. it's all of the little things, as we talk about, that go into making things complete. So I completely agree. This is a bunch of little things that have already existed in pretty much every other DE for a long time. But at least they're implementing them and they're putting them in. And and they're making it better and that's what counts. So uh, unlike you guys, I actually like GNOME. So Uh I think GNOME is a good desktop environment to use. I enjoy using okay, them. So any list like this that's going to fix back-end problems, bugs, or add on gnome's payroll, or add small features <laughs> is great. I'm sorry, I think it's great. It's no, great it, that they are fixing is. things that everything else already has. It is. It is I agree. <laughs> I agree. Says the KDE user. Mm-hmm. I am. Yeah, we have, I am we've using had, KDE. We've had all these for a long time. <laughs> But I still enjoy like, using middle them. clicking on your on your your file manager that has been there for <laughs> at least ten years. 
<laughs> well, now you have that, but you lose your icons on your desktops. They want to give you something back for what they took away. It's a give and take relationship. That's fair. Good, yeah. good, good job. You gave something back. No, good job. <laughs> yes. Yeah. UB Ports continues working on Unity 8. I like these UB Ports guys. This oh, team yeah. over there does some awesome stuff. And so, Rocco, I know at one point you went to, you went, you were getting frustrated with a bunch of distros mm-hmm. and you went to, and in fact, I think I was being frustrated with a bunch of them the same week and you almost got me to do it. Uh, you, you jumped over to Unity and, you know, we're like, Hey, I'm staying on Unity right now. And uh, you used your famous tagline because it just works. And then. Wow. <laughs> But you jumped over to Unity. Well, you'll be happy to know that while Canonical is no longer uh, on the Unity bandwagon, the UB Ports team is there keeping it alive and well. Does that make you happy? Does that make you think you might go back to Unity at some point when you get frustrated again? No, KDE? no. Because, no? okay, so it depends on how far they take this. But this is Unity 8 that they're working on. Yeah. Um, so when I was doing the whole it just works thing it was on unity 7 so i never did actually get to try out unity 8 i booted into it one time and then i ended up removing it to install something else so i never got to play around with it but unity 8 is slick actually it looks good it's it's very smooth like it's i like it it's not you know production ready but it's nice well there's some bugs in there with nvidia proprietary drivers go figure uh, that they're trying to figure out, and it's still very much, I guess, in kind of a testing phase. You mean like NVIDIA proprietary yeah, drivers? <laughs> you mean that almost everybody has? The um, the interesting thing is that there's the, the Unity 7 thing is not gone. So Unity 7 is not dead. There's actually already a community's effort to make Unity 7 on 1804. Of this is a... Um, this, okay. If you heard of the unit project, Y U N I T? Yep. So this was the units, units project work, but they decided that they couldn't, you know, they didn't have the time to continue it themselves. So they had, they basically just partnered with, uh, UB ports to hand them all their code so that the, they're not working from, you know, it's not like they stopped last year and no work was being done. All the work that the unit team was being, was doing is now going to the UB ports and now they're going to continue that process. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not like there's like, it's just starting from, from, you know, right when Unity 8 was discontinued or anything. So I, I think that's really good. So one of the quotes is, while it's both good and pretty, it's not pretty good. <laughs> well, they're still working on it, but you gotta love their honesty. I can appreciate that. And they really do good work. They took over the Ubuntu Touch and they're looking at doing some convergence between Ubuntu Touch and Unity 8 as well. But they took over Ubuntu Touch and after trying Plasma, which is very much in Plasma Mobile, very much in beta on uh, the Nexus device I had, you could not use it at that point as a daily driver, although it was beautiful and there were neat things in it. Whereas Ubuntu Touch was a much more finished product project and you know and they're they've taken that over and it continues to work and you could use it as a daily driver today if you were looking for that solution that doesn't have everything so when i say that just keep in mind you know your basic phone functionality and some apps and things like that but you're not going to have the full experience you would have say on an android or an iphone yet but they've taken over both those projects i think they've done a fantastic job on it and they are looking for help so if you're a developer and know things about Unity 8 development, hit them up on ubports.com because they literally state in the article they would love some more help. So, 
speaking of UbiPorts, Canonical has pretty much helped them out. So they gave them a nice gift of 38 Ubuntu phones to do some testing on. What do you think that'll have effect on their uh See, their I like them so much that I'm going to give them my hardware information for them doing something so nice. I'm going to opt <laughs> Is that in. That's what you're going to do. You're going to yeah, opt in. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to opt in. Too bad them. you're already opted in. You got to opt out. <laughs> But they gave them 38 phones. And what I love about this is it shows the kind of community, you know, theme here. UB Ports has taken over some of these projects from Canonical. Canonical uh, obviously has no need for those 38 phones at the moment. What probably were used during their time when they were uh, developing Ubuntu uh, Touch. And so they gave them all those devices. And if you've ever done any work like this development on um, applications, you've got to have the phones to be able to test if it works right. And in UB ports, there are situations where they have phones on there that they're saying they think it will work, but they haven't tested it. So they have to rely on somebody to download it and use it. Well, now they've got all these devices that they can actually confirm and make changes and fixes to that work. And so this is a super nice thing that Canonical did here. I love it. I agree. I agree. It shows They're the good community. folks over there. They're nice folks. They just want you to opt in. I wish they'd send me 38 phones. <laughs> I think that it's uh, it's it's fantastic, especially because they're going to do it's a variety of phones. So there, there's a few phones that are on the list of not supported. Uh, some of the phones that are they were given are on that list, so they could make them supported now. Nice. Convergence make Michael mad. This next article I want you to take, Michael. Ah, uh, okay. So purism. <laughs> Purism bringing convergence to Linux phones and laptops. Uh huh. This sounds fantastic. Who doesn't like convergence? I love. Raise your hand if you like convergence. Okay, I do like convergence <laughs> if it's done the right way. Zeb doesn't like convergence though. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it. Here, I'll just pick my laptop and my computer and my phone for what I like the look of, not because it's got the same interface across all. All three bits yeah. and pieces. But couldn't it be nice if it did? Will you send a message actually, on your phone? You can I go to your laptop and send a message from no, there. Zeb is right. Windows 8 was crap. Zeb, did you hear that? That's also true. Michael said you were right. Yeah, well, I agree with Zeb. <laughs> Somebody recorded that. I don't think that. my oh, phone yeah, and my did. laptop need to do that. I want convergence, not in the sense of the buzzword of you know convergence because it's the same interface interface and everything is is just perfect and it's it just, it just you can plug it in and now you have a big computer like no i have a big computer for the purpose of being a big computer and i would also like a phone to work as a phone but i would like them connected <laughs> together thanks to kde connect i can't and that's great oh look at wow. that advertisement plug that? in I there like, what it's not like you set it up and i just knocked it out of the <laughs> but Back to Ryan's email from his his fan about Apple. That's what Apple is as well. Yeah, their their Apple Macs and their um, iPads and their iPhones. If you've all got them in the same house, they will all interact and work with each other without you having to do hardly anything. So, and, and look how ridiculous is it that Apple's had this forever now? Forever. We well, talk about they making fun of GNOME. Phone. Per year, and then one laptop. But they have had the integration and convergence from the very beginning. And yeah, it's easy to make it when there's only one device and one other device, and then and they can they controlled what? every part of the ecosystem. It's super easy to do that. It's very hard when they're 
300,000 different distros and there are 400,000 different Android phones that all have different ROM baseband structures. They all are incompatible with each other with different interfaces. And because you have Google with three different messaging platforms instead of integrating into one, but it's all happens to be issues that could be solved if you didn't have those, that silliness. I don't think it's it's a hardware specific issue because whether you're running on an iPhone 4 or an iPhone 8, you can still do the messages on your MacBook today. So you can have a bunch of different hardware. The problem is Google right. in their in their fractured infrastructure. Is so what you're saying the is the fan Google. who wrote in is correct. You do love Apple. <laughs> I, look, they did it better. They did it first. And it to me, it's ridiculous we don't have this on Android. And it's been years. I, I, we do. It's, it's been KDE. years. So yes, KDE Connect is – that's why it shocks amazing. me that KDE is the only one who's actually come up and solved such an annoying problem. They actually solved it for everybody because KDE Connect works on all these. That's it's what I so love ridiculous. most about KDE is that they see that kind of a problem where nobody's fixing, and they take it and they run with it, and they're and they do it. They do it great. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. And so I love KDE, and it works incredibly well. Um, you know, and I can't wait till they get iOS iOS support in there too. So because I'm an Apple fanboy, do what's it? How will they succeed where everybody else hasn't? Oh yeah, um, I don't. I don't know. I think the decision they made is ridiculous because the convergence is wrong. Oh, go ahead. Uh, sure. Sure. Um, convergence is fine. If you, if that's what you want, sure. But do it in a way that makes sense. Their solution was, well, we already use gnome on the laptop. So what we're going to do is you see how there's a gnome on the laptop and gnome on and KDE plasma on the laptop. There's not a gnome on the phone but there is a plasma mobile. So we're going to make gnome on the phone ourselves rather so than now have gnome gnome phone. There, there, there is no gnome gnome phone. No, you're right. There's They're going to make one. Yeah. They're going to make a gnome gnome phone. Gnome, gnome gnome doesn't even make their own phone space period. I just want to say Gnome's going to be amazing on a phone. You click the applications, they pop up just like you're all used to. Gnome is amazing regardless of where you use it. It's going to be awesome. Except for desktop. desktop. Can you imagine Um, E.T. if you used a Purism phone? Hey, E.T., phone Gnome 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 Gnome. So if you have a Purism laptop running PureOS and the new Librem 5 phone, which was a ridiculous success on Kickstarter, then you're going to have this uh, integrated security-focused you know, devices that all are, are intersync together and work perfectly, Michael. I don't know what the problem I, is. I absolutely want this phone. I have yes, no problem with that. Too. And I will absolutely change it to Plasma. That's uh, guaranteed. <laughs> um, my issue is only the fact that their reasoning for changing it, or picking this, is ridiculous. Uh, KDE already has a beautiful and full-featured mobile interface. Okay, then use it. Or, no, no, no. Gnome developers' resources have not been focused on mobile user experience per se. So there's more work required to make Gnome production on the convergent Librem 5. Our team will develop and design the missing mobile components and improve the existing ones. There are not any existing ones. So they're in, instead of, like, in an effort to bring convergence, we're going to work on making Gnome a mobile system rather than just using something that already exists. Everybody gets the whole not invented here syndrome thing. This is essentially that. The the people who are making the thing that, that you want to use don't care enough to make a mobile version themselves, but you want to use it despite the fact that there is already something 
that exists that has a ton of potential that you could put effort into. You it know, just, what, would, like, you know what would solve this? If if they're listening, send me one of your laptops and cell phones, and I will test this out and deal with Michael for you if you guys want to send one. Wow. Yeah. Well, the progress I, report, I'm willing to sacrifice myself right. here. I'm sure, the you, I'm sure you are. Yeah. I, like, I like what they've done so far. I just don't like the whole weird... I love it. I love everything about them. I love that they're finally going to bring a true Linux-based phone solution into the market and I hope I do, it's everything like they say it's going to be because, gosh, we need a real Linux solution. When's so you're saying you love GNOME. Is that what you're saying? When, when GNOME would phone? be perfect on a mobile device. It would I, be. Honestly. I mean, I just, it, everything I is set up to be like uh, like I would expect. That That's the, how it, that's been my feedback. GNOME, so I think it would run try, great. You can put GNOME on a phone. It, it doesn't yeah. work very well, but it can be done. You can see the interface. It doesn't work. On a tablet, fantastic. It looks great. Works great. On a phone, it, the icons are so huge, it's not even worth using. <laughs> it's just one well, icon. Maybe they resize them. <laughs> yeah, they'll just resize it. Rocco will do the theming for them. I'll help them yeah, out. Yeah, you could do that. What you, what you could do is you should look up, the, the just go to like, you know, DuckDuckGo images search because you can actually still get images that way. Um, if you go to search for the what GNOME looks like and then compare it to what WebOS looked like before it ended, they are creepily close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there you go. We already had one, and now we just need it again. And a nice little slick link there into the next article, because you talked about the web. The How To Geek web channel, which I normally associate um, with Windows, but having a look at their website properly, they do do it for a number of platforms. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of their um, authors, Chris Hoffman, has released an article saying that you should not use derivatives of Firefox or Google Chrome. You should use the original, otherwise you're going to be exposing yourself to security aspects. So Google find a fault, wham, it's straight into their browser. But the Google Chrome derivatives have got to wait for it to be in their browser back track it or whatever it is they do and then slip it into theirs. And the same for the same for Firefox. Is that really a big issue now? Well every time I do a review on Firefox or I do a review on Vivaldi or anything, the first thing the comments come in is, have you tried Waterfox? Have you tried Pale Moon? Have you tried Basilisk? Have you tried uh, Squeechy Weasel or whatever the new thing that somebody finds out there? Like there's so many different ones out there. And, and so basically right. what I've learned is when people are recommending this based on what Chris is saying here, they're trying to make it so that my browser is insecure so they can hack me. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's exactly right. Oh, oh okay. okay. <laughs> well, that, well, that's what that's what Chris Hoffman is trying to say. And what he's saying is don't bother with all these other bits and pieces. But if you do that, surely you're stifling innovation. Yes, Waterfox might not be the most up-to-date, secure Firefox quantum base, but does he do stuff better than Firefox? No. And would that then allow? Okay, so that's a a bad example. <laughs> with quantum is so. Waterfox doesn't have the multi multi processor stuff and all that. Other stuff. Yeah, but without without these guys, try, they're never going to get employed by Firefox, so they're never going to get a chance to develop it. So they'll say, "I'll tell you what, I'll take that. I've got some good ideas." But by, by by telling people not to bother to go and use them, then you must be surely stifling 
innovation. Because I mean, he makes a couple points that the, the reason he says that is, look, Mozilla has a thousand plus employees working for them that are in a good percentage of those are working on security and patching and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So they're implementing these issues. These other browsers have one or two or maybe a dozen developers for them. I don't know, but I'm sure it's not more than that. And in, in those cases, it's taking, he gives an example of Waterfox taking a full two weeks before they did security fixes that Mozilla had integrated. So I I think it's a fair case, but I think a lot of people are going to be mad about this because so many people recommend these kind of not as well known, although most of these ones here I've heard of before, but a lot of people are big into this idea because they don't like what Mozilla stands for. They have some issue with something Mozilla's done in the past and they want something a little more obscure or more security centric. But I do think with everything going on and how fast these issues are being exposed with security risks that you are taking a chance being on one of these that that you're going to be left vulnerable to something that may have already been patched in another browser. I mean, I think it's kind of a fair point there. I'm not saying don't use them. I wouldn't go as far as Chris does, but I think you might have to be a little more privy to your security risks that you're going to be left open to by utilizing something like this. I was just like, I just get so frustrated by these security holes that developers and you know white hack white hat hackers find that have been out there for two years anyway. That's true. So what difference does it make that Firefox have just discovered it and they've now patched it? You've because not been attacked. That, that probably been, has been there, but they might not have known that it was there to uh, like attack it. Once they once they know and say this is there, we have patched it, and someone doesn't take the patch, they can attack it. Yeah. So don't tell people that you've covered up a vulnerability that nobody knew about. Just cover it up anyway. As, as well, an then update. that's a transparency issue that people in the security field would completely disagree with that. Because they wouldn't like to, to when they see a security thing being fixed, they can go and to see and like and check it and audit it and stuff like that, and make sure it actually is done well, or you know maybe they didn't miss anything, stuff like that. I, yeah, I think that I just think that sometimes they're making a rod for their own back by you know by by coming up with this stuff about oh yes we've just patched this latest vulnerability. It's been there for two years, but don't worry about it. no one's no one's ever hacked you with it yet. I just find the whole. You know, I've been on computers since the mid 1980s, and I'm honest with you, I've never been hacked, and I've had, I've, I can count the number of viruses I've had on my hands, and that was downloaded by my kids, not by your, your average Joe sensible user. So, yes, it's important, especially nowadays when you've got online banking and all the rest of it. But is that two week window going to make that much of a difference? I think that I think the argument is different anyway. I don't think that security, that the security window is like, that's like one piece. I think that's, that's a, that's a valid piece to talk about, but I don't think it's the big like cornerstone of it. I think the biggest issue is that Pell Moon is ancient. It was, it's, it's a forked off of Firefox 38 code. Mm-hmm. Actually it was forked off 24 and now it's on 38. Um, uh, Basilisk is based on more modern style of Firefox that they can convert and take out some of the features that Firefox um, did, like the, the removing Zool interfaces. So they want to put Zool back, but still keep like a modern code base. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's still 
like they're doing a ton of work where basilisk is basilisk is nowhere near usable as like a production browser for most people pale moon is super old and i i know a lot of people like it because it has the ability to support old add-ons that send Firefox. your hate mail to michael at <laughs> yeah that's fine that's fine my 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 name, my uh, email address is on the screen it's that's fine um the waterfox has a different problem in the sense that it is more close to firefox than any of the other ones it's just it's it's ran by like a couple people mm-hmm. and i don't know exactly how many but i know it's a very small team and the fact that they even get it out, the updates within a couple of weeks is, is actually impressive to me. It's just, they're in a code base that is, is very close to not being potentially like sustainable at their level, trying to keep all the features that they want while Firefox is like moving so fast and so far away. Mm-hmm. So Rocco, you've used these, you have friends who've used these. What is your take on this article? Well, this article is, has a lot of, reasons why that you shouldn't use these but most of these reasons have nothing to do with the reasons that people that i know use these other browsers so like michael you said the multi-processes mm-hmm. if you're using waterfox or pale moon or basilisk you know that you're not going to get that and you're still using it anyway so that the reason that yeah. you shouldn't use that for that reason doesn't really matter because people who are using that they don't care about that. They're using it for uh, security or they're using it for because my add-ons will still work. Uh, they're using it for different reasons. And the one main thing that I saw through this whole article was that all of the reasoning, I mean, it was almost like Chris Hoffman is a pseudo name for Michael Tunnell. Oh, <laughs> man. I mean, it was... Have we exposed something here? I mean... Okay, to be, okay to full disclosure... Yes, I have written for How to Geek on multiple occasions, and um, you write under a pen but name. My, I write oh. under the name Michael Snell, not Chris Hoffman. Oh. I oh. do know Chris Hoffman, but that's not the, that's not the point. Um, I, I, I agree with his points. I don't think that they're the only reasons to not to not use it. I think there are reasons to use it that people want, in the sense of like I like the people who want those old add-ons. You're, there's no way to do them in Firefox anymore. And if you need something and you insist on it, then those are options for you. Uh, so I, I don't, I think that Basilisk has the most, uh, likelihood of being the best is of being the, like the future option because I think what, I think Waterfox is, is too close that they're going to have to hard fork. And I don't know if they have enough people on the team to do a hard fork, whereas Basilisk already is a hard fork. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but, um, yeah. I well, what browser are you on that. right now, Rocco? Um, <laughs> I'm on Firefox, actually. Does but, it rhyme with Moam? Uh, but here's the thing, you know, uh, Waterfox is very close to Firefox. So I don't, I agree. I don't think they're going to be able to hard fork it. So you, you're going to end up losing. If add-ons is the reason why you're staying, going with another browser, you're going to lose those. Pale Moon is, so old that half the add-ons that people try to use with Pale Moon don't work because you have to have a newer version of the Firefox base in order to use those add-ons. So that, to me, is not an option. Basilisk is the, pretty much the only option, and I haven't used it enough to say, you know... Well, it's, it's still a, in beta, too. It's yeah. very development, yeah. yeah. But I haven't used it's, it enough to say if it's a viable option or not. 
So I don't think it's viable right I think Waterfox is the current viable option right now for people who insist on not using Firefox for those odd add-ons. I think Basilisk in the future will be that solution. Just use Vivaldi. So how about <laughs> SM Player 18.2? Let's talk about how awesome <laughs> SM Player is. Alright, so all all three of you can agree to that. Yeah. yeah. Michael's uh, what? Michael's an M player kind of guy. Oh come on. Oh, SM player is the greatest thing ever. Yep. One hundred percent agree. I love the GUI interface. So some of the things that frustrate me in interfaces is them hiding the play and pause buttons or your ability to track. Like you can't get to it immediately. Obviously one of the things that bothers us we talked about last week with BLC is the artifacting issues that occur. But SM Player has a beautiful GUI with big icons if you want them. Of course, you can customize the interface if you don't want all that stuff. You want it all gone. You don't have to have it there. But it has some really neat features by default. And they've got an 18.2.2 release with some new features. But the notable features of SM Player with the versions that are out right now is one of my favorites is the memory when you left where you left off. So if you're playing a movie or a video... And you have to pause because the kids decided to throw something in the toilet. Just a random thought there. And then you uh, have to pause Not your that movie. That ever and happen. Go, yeah, that would never happen. And go get it out of the toilet and then come back and you hit, you know, open up your video player. It's going to resume where you left off. That is such an awesome feature. You can play YouTube videos. You can customize skins and themes. What's not to love? Somebody tell me what's not to love. Except Michael, I don't want to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> Michael's Fair only going to Michael's only going to tell you that MPV is the back end, and it's better because you just might as well use MPV. That's basically what's going to say. That's oh, not a, okay. The feature he just described—that's an MPV. Just saying. Yeah. Okay. So tell me in MPV where I can go in and adjust the brightness of my video. I can't find any controls anywhere. It's a shortcut. But in SM Play, you just go properties, video, adjust your br- brilliance, contrast, color saturation. I'm not saying SM Player is not great. He said it's not the. He said it's the best. It is. Uh, MPV definitively is my best. <laughs> You're wrong. I, I, well, a I, lot of I, the. To be fair, it, we should we should definitely. We should have yeah. a player off. We do a video and we just play videos till one of them crashes. It's well, a player off. We're going to crash because they both use the similar placket neck end, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> the only way it would crash is if SM Player's GUI crashed. That's it. <laughs> so but, the notable features for this release have to do with YouTube videos and playlists and problems that you would have if you would search for YouTube videos or play them. So it's always nice to see a great player become even better. Yeah, and the greatest player become greatest So let's talk about another great player. Okay, so Katie Amarok. Oh my gosh, you're on your did own you say, on this one. Did you say great? I did. Okay, so it oh. may have been it may okay. have been great. It you're talking was, about like let, in a museum? Let's rephrase this. It was great at one time. Maybe five six years at ago. One point four and older, it was great. It was great. So yeah. What they're doing is they are getting a port to QT5, and they are putting a few bug fixes in, and soon you are going to have the ability to play an updated Amarok music player. Come on, that doesn't excite you? No. Well, when you only have one song you have on repeat, I guess it is exciting. But see, this is the beautiful thing. I'm not a big fan of Amarok because Amarok 1.4 was fantastic. It was the best player. I agree. 
they decided to just make it not usable. They decided to make it annoying where you have like for some reason, the default main center piece of the player is a wiki page. I don't care. Whatever. Anyway, so. But you like, can change it, that. The fact that it's default is a bad idea. And the fact that they, they've made other bad ideas. That's just one that's so ridiculous. I don't need it in my play. I don't need a browser in my music player. Okay. But more importantly, the 1.4 was great. Clementine is a fork of 1.4. So people who like Clementine, they've already experienced most of what Amarok was, even though Clementine has still changed some things that are not that great, but overall very good. Um, so yeah, that's it. It is coming to frameworks five. That's cool. But the one that's not good is coming to frameworks five. So I don't care. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, this just in guys, uh, this is shocking. People, what people are still using Amarok. That's what they're telling me. This is shocking news. Oh my God. Oh, you know, I don't use it anymore. I mean, <laughs> what I are you, I what only do have, you use? Why are you defending have, it? I have only one song. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you don't even need oh, a player. Need a player for that one. No, he has a tape cassette player. He doesn't even use the computer. He's got a boom box. With <laughs> one of those big boom right. boxes. You know what never <laughs> fails? The good old cassette. <laughs> All right, so uh, Michael, there's a Caden uh, Live beta out. Yeah. So, okay, this is actually something I'm actually interested in talking about. Yeah, so, I figured. Caden <laughs> Live has is is going through a process of redeveloping the core underpinnings of Caden Live, and they just released a, a beta app image that you can play around with, like the new development version of that underpinnings. Uh, it, what I've seen so far is very promising and there's a lot of cool features that I like it's um it's actually even as a development uh video play video editor it's not crashy I didn't have crasher once uh, there are some features I can't find that were in the older version and there are features that seem to not work so it is still definitely de- development but it is promising in my opinion that if a development build of a, like a almost a complete rewrite is St- so stable already. Caden like Live is one of the most important pieces of software for me. It was the piece of software, one of the pieces of software that kept me with Linux when I was playing with it early on. If there wasn't an alternative as good as Caden Live, I probably would not have. And Caden K- Live is just so important to the Linux software suite out there. And uh, I'm so glad to see that it's continuing to get updates. They're continuing to modernize it. They're continuing to make it better because it's just a fantastic tool that I, I think at this point I, I've gone into windows and looked at Adobe premiere and stuff that I used to use. And I don't even like the interface anymore, but that when I was back on windows, I couldn't, I couldn't have imagined being on something else. So it's, it's just so well done. So I'm glad they're doing updates. Yeah, I love Kaden live and I think that they should do a Kickstarter or something to get more funding. Yes. So they can, I agree. In, increase their development. Great. Because I think Caden Live is by far the best open source video editor ever made. Even back when it was buggy, it was still the best. And now that it is it's stable and it's got so many great features, and it's just fantastic. I mean, I it it has so much potential. It could be a professional grade video editor yeah. if there was just a little bit more like funding and time being able to put into it. Maybe more people or something. I don't know. It, would be it is so, one of the projects I always make sure to donate to because I just, I love it so much. Yeah, same. 
All right, so Ryan, we have to skip yeah. a few things here because we're running way long. So, okay, what have you been playing, dude? Man, I have been playing a classic, one of the greatest first-person shooters ever made, without a doubt, is CS:GO, and I am terrible at it. But I've been playing with you and Dustin some this week, and have been really having fun. Um, and you know. It, if you've not played CS:GO, which I doubt there's anybody out there, it is. I don't is think I've one of the, it. it is one of the most accurate, <laughs> beloved uh, first-person shooters, and it's out there. Rocco is a shark, by the way, in the game. In case anybody wants to know, he'll lie and say he's not any good, and ask about button presses, and then kill the whole other team. It's craziness. Rocco, you have anything to say about that? Um, I like CS:GO. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he likes CSGO. He's been playing a lot more than me, but it's an yeah. awesome game. So go check out CSGO if you've not played it. Probably most everybody who plays games, those interested in games, has, has touched like CSGO. Hours, does that count? <laughs> it is tough. It's Rocket League tough. Like anybody can go in and play it, but to be good at it, well, that's a whole nother level. Yeah. I, I play with people who have, like, I, I was playing with some people who invite me to play and they were like, yeah, you'll, you'll love it. It's great. And then after I got done, I was like, that was torture. I don't want to do that again. <laughs> yeah. Look at the amount of hours they had spent. It's One a of fun game to watch on Twitch tournaments too. That game. That's oh, yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. That was like, no, never again. Yeah. It's definitely a competitive game, but it's, it's a lot of fun. And if you don't want to play it, you can watch a lot of tournaments around it because I think it's in the top one or two, uh, esport tournament, uh, games of all time. Oh yeah. It's totally, it's totally one of the most popular for sure. Ryan. Yeah. Feral. Gosh, I love those people. They're awesome. Aren't they I not? love them. I love their face. <laughs> I love everything about Feral. I love them. Uh, and it doesn't go with the name either, Feral, but we love Feral. Uh, they yeah. have given another given. gift to mm-hmm. Linux. So Again. Total War Britannia. Yep. Mm-hmm. Will be coming to Linux scheduled for April 19th. What do you think? I mean, this is a multi-award winning strategy series already. You have to like these type of defense strategy, army building management, and conquesting games. But it's definitely a AAA title in there. So it's an, yet another AAA title uh, by Sega that we're getting on, thanks to Feral, onto Linux that you can play. So if you like those type of games, then this is a perfect one for you to get into. And right now, you can pre-purchase this game for 35 bucks which I think is like 45 queen jewel pounds, right? (laughs) (laughs) Or whatever kind of fake money you guys use over there. Pounds sterling, old boy. Uh, Zeb, you're probably not going to play this, are you? Is it anything like um, Delta Force Black Horse Down? No. 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 It's kind of like, I'd say it's, it's like, it's an RTS, right? Yeah. So it's, it's like Starcraft, like Warcraft. Things like that. Not World Age of Empires would be, yeah, because it's more medieval based. But yeah, it's definitely one of those strategy based, you know, military controlling games. And listen, it's not a big deal for us, but a lot of people who are huge fans of these uh, style of games out there. And this one's won a ton of awards and very popular. And it's awesome that we can say we have it. Well, it's a AAA game coming to Linux. It's got to be a bonus whether you play it or not. Exactly. Just because it's AAA, even though I don't, I don't play these. I mean, the closest I ever played was OAD. Is that right, Rocco? OAD. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
I'm, I'm not a fan of these types of games, but I'm, I'm a fan of Feral, and I appreciate them putting the work in to bring it for the people who are fans of these games. Nice. Well, all I got to say is, what the golf? I oh mean, really. Gosh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Michael, there's a new game out, and it will support Linux. That's great. Okay, so it's called... You won't want to play it, but it will support Linux. Well, I saw the video. I do not want to play it. <laughs> okay, so it's called What the Golf. And it's a uh-huh. golf game, miniature golf type thing. Is this like similar to what we used to play with Golf with Friends? No. So no. what is this like? I don't know. The name <laughs> it's space of the golf, name it's horse applicable. golf, boss the fighting name. golf. It's... I, it's... I, it's it's what the golf. That's what it is. <laughs> it's, that name is very apt. Yeah. I mean, like look, I golf games like, are okay. boring or can be boring. And so they're bringing some fun into the golf games here it's with space golf and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 I think it's funny-ish. But, like, it would be like if you're bored for 10 minutes kind of game. Like, you know, yeah. it's that kind of thing. I, I think it's. I think it would be fun to people. who, And it would be great for kids because it's so ridiculous. Yeah. But uh, when I when they first start the video and it starts showing the gameplay and it like it pulls the like the the meter back so you're like about to hit the ball and instead of hitting the ball you hit the person in front of it <laughs> like okay well here's but, something right. interesting about it so the game is crowdfunding all right and they have a fifty thousand dollar goal so on February fourteenth they were at twenty two percent according to gaming on Linux. Today, as of this recording, February 23rd, they are at 97%. So That's a awesome. lot of people want to play golf in space. Yep. And they still have 28 days go. to go to meet their goal. There you go. Well, it reminds me of Nintendo We Like Graphics, and you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, Zeb. So <laughs> it may be a really fun game. What is he talking about, Zeb? What is he Ow talking boy. about? <laughs> Really, <laughs> I um, think this would be fun for like a party ga- party game. Or sure, something. yeah, yeah it, it it has potential. It's just not it's not Rocket League. So you know, it has a lot of potential. A game that I recommend, and in fact, if you guys are fans of Zeb, I know a lot of people are fans of Zeb. He's going to play this tomorrow on his stream. I'm announcing it here first. <laughs> we're challenging Tomor- him. Yeah, well, we're not only challenging; he's guaranteed that he will play this game on live on stream, and it's called. Uh, Communist Dogafesto, and you wouldn't let your fans down, would you, Zeb? So um, now that they know that you're going to be there, I mean, you wouldn't yeah, let them down. We are you... two and zero <laughs> on the Destination Linux game challenges at the moment, so don't hold your breath, people, please. For well, us, for us in America, that's zero to two. <laughs> <laughs> Those who know math sorry. over here, yeah. Um, the Communist Dogafesto. <laughs> Well, a sci-fi first-person shooter built on Linux is now out and it's open source. You mm-hmm. know what his words are? What the golf? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me bring you into this game, Zeb, because I don't think you're feeling it here. Okay, imagine that you're on a Soviet space station. All right, so you because no, been... there's no there's no snow. It's just made by those Soviets. But you, you start you start asleep underwater. Yeah. <laughs> you're in lunar orbit. Imagine how scary it is. You're you're in space on this Russian thing and you're in lunar orbit. And it's been overtaken all of a sudden by hyper intelligent 
dogs. Right. And they're trying to kill you. You Please lost don't me. tell me it has the soundtrack for Who Let the Dogs Out. <laughs> well, you can add that if you want. I'm kind of disappointed that it doesn't. <laughs> you could use Amarok and play that in the background <laughs> while you're playing the game. And Fair. so, look, the graphics aren't anything. The to, graphics are right up Ryan's style. Listen, Terrible. I know you guys are graphic okay. snobs, but there are good games that, that people don't focus on just graphics, right? Dude. And this one is graphics one of are worse than like Alboy. I mean, these whoa, graphics are terrible. Whoa. We, we got a lot of people cool. commenting how much they love Alboy in our video. And so if you want to send Rocco an email, you can send that to comments at destinationlinux.org if you're a fanboy of Alboy. But this game looks so much fun, and Zeb has promised us and all his fans he will live stream it. So I got a question for you, Ryan. Uh-huh. And I'm being dead serious. Okay. With the graphics like this... Yeah. What would make you or anybody really want to play a game like that that has that kind of graphics on it? I mean, if I gave you a operating system that looked like that, you would be like, ooh, Windows 95. I mean. Yeah, totally. But what would make you want to play a game that has graphics like that? And I'm being dead serious. Well, for me, this type of game reminds me. The first game I think I ever played on a PC was Wolfenstein 3D, which if you look back on right now, the graphics were horrible. But the elements of that first-person shooter that were in there and just the level design and everything else were amazing for the time. You look back at it now, you laugh. This game well, the graphics to me were amazing is, for the time, too. These are graphics from that time here. That That's true. But it's a throwback, right? And number two is a lot of these type of games I like to play on things that I have. I have a, a, a lot of different computers, and not all of them have dedicated graphics cards and all the fancy hardware that I have on my desktop. So if I'm playing a game that I I like having some of these games like this in my Steam portfolio so that I can play them on things like lower-end laptops or whatever that I have laying around, and they're a lot of fun. And you can really get into this genre. There's a whole resurgence, kind of like a hipster thing going on with these type of games because it, it brings people back to that style of game. So that's the answer. Whether you like it or not, you want to have, oh, I need movie graphics with realistic eyes and people really exploding. I like little pixelated puppies running at me that I have to shoot at. <laughs> can we just have an update? We're going to have a, we're gonna have a destination and it's update. Yeah, I, 3-0 and for the game challenge. <laughs> we haven't even quick. finished the show, and I'm not even going to look at that. Well, I haven't played it, but it looks like a blast. No. I really, I do appreciate the fact that it's open source and on Steam. Like, that's really cool. Well, I, I hear your argument, and I can actually relate to it because I remember playing, say, 007 GoldenEye. And yeah. if you try to play that in an emulator now, the graphics are – it's almost unplayable especially on a big screen because the graphics are so pixelated. But and the same That's way with retro. I like it. And the same way with Medal of Honor, the original one. You try to play that, the graphics are so pixelated, but it would be awesome to go back and play with it. So I guess it's a nostalgia thing and I can appreciate mm -hmm. that. So There are certain parts of it where it made me it made me uh, feel like it was like a goldeneye style. It's yeah. like the the way that the weapons look is very goldeneye. Uh, the the dogs look super weird though. So that's you can watch it uh, live on Zeb's channel tomorrow. Well, well it won't be tomorrow for you guys. The no, patrons can see it tomorrow. Yeah, just don't waste your time. 
<laughs> go, go to the stream anyway, but it won't be that. I've still not got my 15 subs back from playing Canary. <laughs> I've only got 15 subs. <laughs> it's all your fault, Ryan. Oh, no, that was my suggestion. Oh, yeah, that's oh, yours, man. Sorry. If you'd stick with me, Zeb. It's, it's, I mean, that's really a mad world right there. Is I actually bought it and then had to get a refund. Well, now you can use that money towards. This yeah, you can do, you can do this. And see if you need a refund or not. If you the don't, communist dogafesco. <laughs> see, that's the good thing about Steam. You can get the refund, Zeb. So you can buy it without <laughs> any problems whatsoever. Because you know you can just return it. The name alone is worth a purchase. The communist dogafesto. I mean, come on. No, well, that's probably here. that's probably one that would keep me from buying it. Oh my gosh. Well, is there any game on this list this week you'll buy? Any of you? Cheapos. What's that I hear? Crickets? <laughs> <laughs> Sphinx I, uh... and Cursed Monkey? Mump Monkey. <laughs> cursed Monkey. <laughs> now that might be a good game. <laughs> yeah, I would play that. <laughs> the Sphinx and Cursed Mummy? Nobody? The revamp of the 2003 classic? Yeah, it's a classic. Third classic person. I've never heard of. Listen, That's all of you have enough game. gray in your hair that you can't act like you don't know this classic from 2003. Mm-hmm. Sure. Nope. Nobody? Well, never. Sphinx in the Cursed uh, Mummy is an original third-person action-adventure game. I'm not a big action-adventure person uh, myself, but if you like those type of games, it has got 88 positive reviews. It's only $14.99, and you can pick it up. It's been completely revamped by the developers, so we talk about nostalgia a lot. Maybe this is the nostalgia episode, Rocco. Maybe it is. Maybe that's the title of our show. There nostalgia. you go. We don't yeah. have to worry about it no more. Sphinx and the Cursed Mummy will be one of those games that you can get that nostalgia fix on. Well, it's good that it supports Linux, so that's a good thing. They've updated yep. things. They've patched things. So a lot of times when you play an updated version, you think, well, man, maybe they should have fixed this. So hopefully they've fixed some of the bugs that were in it before. There yeah. you go. It looks, it looks like it's, um, it looks like a throwback, like a Zelda type, you know, like the Ocarina of Time type game. Yeah, definitely. So I, you know, I, I respect that. Um, but not $15. <laughs> You don't respect it fifteen dollars worth. Man, you guys are so cheap. That could be the title too. That's 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 pretty accurate. Cheap versus nostalgia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So, Zeb, what are you going to be doing this week? Because I know you're not going to be playing uh, that game. No, I'm going to be trying to beat English Bob um, as the speed king of you know, Duck Simulator. What's we- the uh, what are you currently up to now? Um, well, I've officially done 371 on a stream. Mm-hmm. Steve sick. has done 378. Wow. Dang. Go, Steve. And, but, but then he suddenly changed all metric on me. So he then put out a stream, 600 plus, and I thought, great, he's cracked it. Until I went in and it was 600 kilometers an hour. <laughs> not, <laughs> not, miles, not miles per hour. But what's really great about it is one of the other guys who comes on our YouTube channel, a guy called Nabist, has actually gone in and edited a map for us. Because our biggest problem was we'd get up to speed and then they'd put a bend in the road. Mm -hmm. So he's actually given us 15 and a half miles of straight highway. (laughs) So we can now just get going and keep going straight. 
And we're now trying to tweak gearboxes and engine ratios and all sorts of bits and pieces. So this is basically rocket trucker. We're trying to crack 400 miles an hour. Now, we've already got a 500,000 horsepower engine. And we can't get it to go over 400 mile an hour. And, and I don't know if any of you here have played the game, but normally you turn left and then it slowly goes left and then you turn right yes. and you can come back. At 300 miles an hour, <laughs> you turn left and it goes. So you're constantly doing this down the, down the road, trying to get the, the flipping thing to get straight again. So it's proving quite a challenge, but I've got a little um, trick up my sleeve. And I've actually got the developer of Peppermint trying to help me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love it. I'll just let that cat out of the bag. So when I do crack 400, it's not me that's done it. It's the guys at Peppermint. So this is okay. Euro Truck Simulator. That's and on Euro Truck Simulator, yeah. Has uh, Ghosty been involved in this shenanigans? No, because Ghosty just loves playing the game properly. And I think he's on about 95% map coverage. Wow. Which, is, if you look at the Euro map, it's just astronomical. Um, and I don't know how he's got the patience to find the jobs to go from A to B to C to D. Um, so, no, he's not involved. It's just me and English Bob. So that's what I'll be doing this week, trying to crack 400 mile an hour. But you can check that out on Zeb's channel. There'll be a link in the description. Michael, what are you up to? Well, I'll just be working on some uh, next episode of This Week in Linux, which is technically already released when you watch this. So, uh, <laughs> I love maybe the time next machine. one after that. <laughs> yeah. uh, and also, I'll be working on doing some like I'm working on some new videos that are actually going to be published. Wow! This week. I know, right? You know what That's else you'll be on. working on? Uh, no. Caden live graphics for Destination <laughs> oh, Linux. That, that. He's already forgotten. Rocker. Yeah, uh-huh. I won't let him forget. Ridiculous. That'll be done before the end of the weekend, so we're good. Mm-hmm. Ryan, well, listen, I'm gonna be playing uh, Communist Dogafesto for can, sure. You can't be playing Communist Dogafesto because you have to play CS:GO. That's true. But if I can get good at Communist Dogafesto, it may translate over into CS:GO. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. They're very, they're very. Uh, I will be doing uh, Arch Merge ISO testing. Uh, continue to do some testing there on the Ryzen build and having fun with that. And I'm also going to be doing a comparison of the best cord cutting service out there for TV. So I'll be doing all kinds of fun stuff this week. Nice. So what are you doing? Rocco will be editing from this point all the way till next week. (laughs) Yeah, like. All day Saturday, all day Sunday, I'll be <laughs> editing. But in between, I may CSGO, find man. time to play some CSGO with my new yeah. mouse. So I uh, did a video on unboxing the new mouse as a Zowie ECB2, or EC2B, I should say. And it was a great video, but you messed up in there and you didn't cut it out. You talked about not taking my advice. Um, I said something about not listening to your advice all the time. That's ridiculous, Rocco. You should. You, should, you must have obviously made a mistake. I obviously script. made a mistake and forgot to cut that part out. <laughs> but I want to be testing that out and hopefully uh, do a follow up video on it to so show how it's going. So, greatest mouse ever made, Zowie. Mm-hmm. You've convinced me to actually. Well, Rocco has convinced me to look at a at a. Oh, Rocco did it, but the videos I had on the Zowie. <laughs> you know what? I don't have to take this. All right, that's uh, it. We're out of here. Well, fine. 
All right. So thank you to everybody for listening and watching, supporting us in whatever way that you can. Everybody have a great week. And remember, the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. It's, a, do, it's just a backup. In case, in case okay. something happens to, like, if my computer blows up right after the podcast, you know, it's a backup. Okay. Or Rocco kicks it off the desk because he's in KDE. Or I have sound issues in KDE and my audio just changes to a random song. Mm-hmm. Then I might kick it across the floor. Anybody know the name of the song Rocco was playing earlier? Thunder Rolls. It goes... KDE Blues, I think. Yeah, the KDE Blues. Yeah. That was Mitty Brooks. Mitty Brooks. It was Thunder Rolls in Mitty format. You have to export it as an... Yeah, I've just found it. I'm being a duh. Computer hard for Zeb. <laughs> Nobody's off limits, Zeb. Nobody's off limits. I think I think Zeb is just so harsh. It's just yeah. Use a good point, Rocco, about Zeb. Yeah. I'm glad he's gone now, so we can talk about how Zeb is. Yep. <laughs> you believe I know what you he were said? talking directly to him. Do you believe what he said in the episode? What was that stupid dog game you came up with just then? Yeah, I ain't talking. <laughs> wow. I think we probably should have a private conversation with that. I, I think we should it's take him aside. No. I think we should take him aside. And... He's out of control. He is. He's, He's a, a loose cannon. cannon. He's a loose cannon. <laughs> and he, he sits in his corner and he just talks nonstop. Yeah, exactly. He's he all, takes over the whole show. The cussing, yeah. the, all that stuff. Just too it's much. Too He's much. over the top, Rocco. Please, get him under control. <laughs> we need an intervention. We do need an intervention, yeah. Maybe if we played back the videos to him, he'd understand. He'd be like looking into a mirror. Right. You know? Maybe. Yeah. Seb, do you have your speakers muted or something? Because no. you look like you're actually enjoying yourself, and this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you're just sitting back there looking all cool as a cucumber, and everybody else is... <laughs> <laughs> All right, I was scrolling down here. I want to know who of you put the graphics are right up Ryan's style. Did not. Who, who decided to add that kind of BS into my document? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, Rocco? I, I I did not, but would have. <laughs> and this is our document, sir. That's uh, mine. It's <laughs> mine until we review it live. Should I update it? Do it. Let's find out. All right, let's do it live and see how this. We're doing it live. Hands out. No, it's not actually live. But... Recording this, so it's not. Live. <laughs> well, technically, I am recording this. Yeah. How do you think he gets okay. all the bloopers? Yeah. He really. waits for us to screw up and get comfortable, and then he captures you. It, it, I love iPad interface. Dude, is an iPad interface. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like, this is. Has got to go into the. <laughs>
T. What? I don't talk like that. <laughs> yeah, you that do. That was the best Ryan Oh, this is me. So, I don't talk like that. It's ridiculous. No. You guys are being ridiculous. I love it. It's fantastic. You don't need this. I have to take this. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Rocco. You don't have to put up with this. I don't have to put up with this. I'm. You need to embrace it. I don't clap on my thing either. I just do. Oh, come on. Like, yeah, but we cooler. would all have to do it at the same time. It would have to be Clapping like... That is way cooler. But it would have to be like a couple yeah. in succession, and right? To get it... To get each it, of like, us... Yeah, you know, we'd have to be like discoing. Yeah. Or like in the... In the set. <laughs> Our poor yeah, patrons. Have you, have you seen what Matthias has written in chat? No, I haven't. What is he writing? <laughs> How have you even made it? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, like, well, okay, I'll tell you why I've made it through 58 so far, because Ryan wasn't here for half of them. Oh, man. <laughs> what? That was cold. Why? Why do you attack me? Michael does things, too, but you always go after me. Because you why should know you, better. <laughs> he has the same Look, hatred towards me that he has Don't make me clapping. turn this car around. <laughs> He just hates clapping too much. I wonder what happened to him as a child where he hates clapping. Don't make me turn this podcast around. <laughs> I'm not clapping. That's it. I made a decision. I'm not clapping. Why? Why not? <laughs> what do you have against what clapping? What is your juxtaposition I make, of clapping? I make yeah. clap hater. I tell you what. We can all do this. Ready? It's too loud, Ryan. It's rude. <laughs> yeah. oh, How yeah. about we do that? No. <laughs> you never do a face palm. <laughs> we should just probably do a 10 second countdown. Together, kind of like in sync, unlike what we do at the very end of the episode. Seven, seven, six, six, nine, two, five. Destination Linux. One, zero. Not what I meant. Everybody have a great week, and remember, the journey itself is just as important as the destination. He got him with the little fingers again. (laughs) You even muted me, jerk. (laughs) So that you could laugh without me saying anything back. That's why you did it. I know how you work. How dare you. dare you, sir. That's pretty good. Get more clever, man.